Good morning. The Word of God, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer and want, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Thank you, Dave. Robin, will you pray for us, please? Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a beautiful day it is when your chosen can gather together and worship you and praise you and learn and grow. There's so many out there, Lord, that still need to know your son Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we just lift up those that are hurting. We've had so many losses in our small con con congregational family. And so many illnesses, Lord. Please just envelop them with your love and your compassion. Give them grace, Lord. Please uplift them so that they can see that you are always there with us. Lord, I just lift up the 
worship team and Pastor Dan, Lord, in, in this sermon. And just, Lord, be the, the words that come out of our mouths and hear our sing songs of praise. In your son's precious name, amen. Thank you, Robin. So as we go to our catechism question of the day, does Christ's death mean all our sins can be forgiven? Let's answer together. Yes, because Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sin. God graciously imputes Christ's righteousness to us as if it were our own and will remember our sins no more. And the short answer, yes, because Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sin, God will, know, will remember our sins no more. And our scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, 21, let's say this together as well. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Continue our worship this morning in singing and celebration. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free. I'm a child of God, yes I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free. Yeah. 
proclaim it in the Lord's house. It's great to proclaim his wondrous mercy. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Behind your regrets and mistakes, come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling, he's calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is you to stand and we declare that Jesus Christ is our only hope in life and death what is our hope in life and death Christ alone Christ alone what is our only confidence that our souls to him belong who holds our days within his hand what comes apart from his command and what will keep us to the end the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope. truth can calm the troubled soul. God is good. God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy trial, who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. 
Christ our hope in life and death. Unto the grave what shall we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him, there we will rise to meet the Lord, then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore. Oh, sing hallelujah our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah now and ever our hope in life and death. Oh, sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Whenever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. And all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Amen. So thank you to the worship team. Thank you, Hannah Beaker, for playing this morning. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, just join me as we continue and as we pray this morning. I'm going to be praying Psalm, uh, Psalm uh, 67 uh, this morning. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth and you are saving power among the nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and let the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. This morning, as we continue on this theme that, that we're dealing with in our catechism question, question 25, the question is, is does does God's death mean that our sins are forgiven? And we know the answer. It is yes. Amen? We know that. We know that the answer is yes. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which is the theme verse 
uh, is, is the verse, uh, and I'll say this again, but I want you to remember it and think about it. Can I just tell you something? If you wanted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this was the only verse you had, it would be enough. It is the gospel in one verse. Let me read it to you, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him, that is God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I don't know about you, but when you read scripture, either you are praising God or you're asking questions. Does that make sense? Either you get it or you go, what does that mean? And there are some questions here. When you read this verse, there are several questions that come up. Did God make Jesus sin? Does that mean that Christ gave up his holiness at the cross? How could this be if God is inherently holy? Just some questions to think about. And just I want to just look at those as we move through this passage, which I really believe is just an amazing passage. So the first thing that I want to say is because we know that Christ was without sin, and we find that in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse, uh, verse 22, and in Hebrews chapter uh, 14, verse 15, the phrase to be sin requires some careful understanding today. It does not mean that Christ became a sinner. That is not what this passage is saying, that Christ became a sinner. As God in human flesh, Christ could not possibly have committed any sin or in any way violated his own law because Jesus Christ is God. So there is no way that Christ in human form, could possibly have committed any sin or in any way violated his own law. It is equally unthinkable that God, whose eyes are too pure to approve evil in Habakkuk 1.13, would make anyone a sinner, let alone his only begotten son, his holy, his holy son. So Christ was un was the unblemished Lamb of God while, uh, while on the cross, personally guilty of no sin. Now, I want you to turn to an Old Testament passage, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, because I think from an Old Testament sense, this passage describes 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 21. And let me just read it for you, uh, because... It describes the only sense in which Jesus could have been made sin, made to be sin. So, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely our grief he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening or the punishment for our well-being fell on who? Him. It fell on him. Then it goes on and explains our condition. First it explains God or Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on our behalf. And then it, it explains our condition. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. It's an amazing passage. Really, if you take Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, you have the entire gospel story right here. That is the purpose. So God was not made a sinner, nor was he punished for any sin of his own. Instead, the Father treated him, treated Jesus as if he were a sinner by charging to his account the sins of everyone who would ever believe. Now, let me just make this more personal. God, through Christ, charged to Jesus your sin and my sin on him. That is humbling. That is humbling to think about that God Place on his son Christ your sin and mine. It is just mind-boggling when you think about it. All those sins were charged against him as if he personally committed them and he was punished with the penalty uh, for them on the cross, experiencing the full, the, the full fury of God's wrath unleashed against that sin, those sins. So... That is so important for us to understand that God treated Christ as if he were a sinner. He did not sin. The scripture tells us that in Hebrews chapter 4. But we understand that God charged Christ as if he had sinned. Why? For you and me. For you and me. Christ did this for us. There's a, there's a, um, there, there's a, a word that we don't use a whole lot in our English language anymore and it's, it's it's the word imputation okay it's just not a it's not a word that that any of you have used in a in an english sentence as you're talking to people impute okay god that is god imparted or infused or credited it's a banking term it's a financial term christ was made to be our sin by imputing or placing it on him and in the same way, then the passage goes on to say that the righteousness of Christ was imputed, placed, imparted, credited, infused into you, into your account, so that you and I were made to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? It is just an amazing piece to think about what, is, what takes place on the cross. You see, we are not sinless and we are not righteous. But through imputation in which God's Christ's righteousness is charged to our account, God now looks at you and I as being as pure and sinless as Jesus Christ. Folks, that is humbling. That is mind-boggling when you think about it that when you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ because you admitted your sinfulness, you admitted that you needed him, you admitted that he was your only hope in life and death, when you came to that point personally, then God looks at you as being as pure and sinless as Christ. So imputation works both ways. Our sin was imputed to Christ and his righteousness was imputed to us. That is what this passage is saying. 
So Christ remained absolutely holy and sinless, but was treated as though he had sinned, while we are absolutely corrupt and sinful, but we now, in Christ, are treated as though we have never sinned. Folks, that is wonderful, marvelous grace. I cannot tell you that... I, I just want to challenge you with this. Get up every morning and read that verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And let your mind be filled with praise. Let your mind be filled with awe. Let your mind be filled with thanksgiving. But let's just work this out a little bit. Let's work it out. How do you work out this doctrine of, of imputation? You see, here's the thing. And, and as, as we share this in, in our world that we live in today, and folks, if it needs to be shared, it's now. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.21 needs to be shared. The gospel of Christ. It, some have called it the great exchange. The greatest exchange. Okay? Here are two questions that change everything. And the first question, and it's one that, that we find in every form of philosophy or religion are these two questions. Here it is. What is people's problem? What is people's uh, big what is people's biggest and most abiding problem? That is a question that is out there. That is a question that out that is out there. Secondly, how will this problem ever be solved? Folks, it just amazes me the world's way of trying to solve or fix this problem, this abiding problem. And so we have to ask, what will solve it? So here, the Bible, uh, the, one of the things that we need to understand from a Christian worldview, the Christian worldview is very clear and very simple about the first question. So what is people's biggest, most abiding problem? The answer is sin. It's sin, folks. The answer is sin. The Bible directs us to look inside ourselves and not outside. Scripture documents and describes the chaos that ensues when we try to set up our own little, small, peevish kingdom of one rather than living for the kingdom of God. We spoke about the kingdom last week, folks. Our kingdom versus God's kingdom. And the question is, whose kingdom will you serve? Whose kingdom will sit on the throne of your life? Will God sit on the throne or will you sit on the throne of your life? And that is a question that you and I battle with even as believers today that is so important for us to, to wrestle with and, and grapple with. Most significantly, the Word of God requires each of us to accept that the most, at, the, at the most practical, practical levels, here's what sin does. Sin distorts our thoughts, our desires, our choices, our actions, and our words. Every part of our being is affected by sin. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. Do you get that? Our own way. Folks, there is not a day that you and I do not wrestle with my way or God's way. That is just something that we wrestle with. 
each and every day. In other, in other words, there's absolutely, when we think about the idea that the, the greatest problem is sin, there is absolutely nothing that we can do within our own power to solve this problem. Nothing. Nothing. There is nothing that you and I can do. At the same time, the Bible presents us with, with the, the, the narrative that there, is, uh, that there is hope and that there is help to be found. Uh, and, we, and it is found by admitting our sin. Admitting our sin sounds uh, like a death sentence. To say that we're wrong, to admit that we've done something wrong. Okay, How many of you, we've all done it, how many of you have done something wrong and had a hard time admitting it? We, we all do. Okay, you know, we, we do something, we, we say something, we act in a certain way, we're, we're harsh with our words or whatever, but to admit that, that, that we have done wrong, it sounds like a death sentence. It really does. But it's not. We cannot solve our greatest problem, but there is a place where the solution can be found. And so the, the second Christian worldview that I want that, that it states it this way, that the only hope for sinners is divine forgiveness. It is divine forgiveness. Forgiveness outside of ourselves. God's forgiveness. To put it even more forcefully, the only hope for sinners is that the, the, the one who is in charge of the universe is a God who forgives. He is a God who forgives. Folks, if you go back into mythology and the gods of, of, of ancient times, one of the things that, that we need to understand about, about the gods that people worship today, even statues or whatever it might be, folks, there is, there is a fear that if they don't do everything right, that that god will be against them. But we serve and we live for and with a god who forgives completely when we admit our sin. So the bottom line is this, that if God were unwilling to forgive, folks, you and I would be doomed. We would be absolutely doomed, but he is willing. And I would just invite you to open your Bibles one more time just to read an amazing passage in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 1. And... Uh, I'm going to start actually at verse 3. We have 4 up there, but it says 4 through 10. But I'm going to start at 3. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says, Blessed, in chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set 
forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I'm going to stop right there. The whole passage is just amazing, folks. If Christ were unwilling to forgive, we are all doomed. But we find in this passage again in Ephesians that he is willing. He is more than willing. Not only is he willing to forgive, he purposed that you and I would come to him. He pre predestined. He chose you before the foundations of the world that at a certain point in time that you would respond to the call and receive Jesus Christ. That is again an amen. That is just a hallelujah. So the story that unwinds in Scripture through the pages of the Bible is a story of God's active willingness to forgive. He controls the forces of nature and directs human history to bring the universe to a point where the, the final priest, as we find in the book of Hebrews, the sacrificial lamb, the Messiah, or the Savior, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes to the earth, lives a perfect life, and gives himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Everything from Genesis all the way through points to this time. That is the culmination of Scripture right here. Right here. The redemption of his people, which will find its totality in the book of Revelations when all of us who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior will be with him and will be with him forever. We will be glorified. We will be like Christ. All of this, folks, all of 2 Corinthians 5.21, all of this is done that our most profound problem, sin, will find its only solution, which is forgiveness, without God compromising his character or his plan or his law in any way. That's the balance that we find in this. That God has done all of this without compromising his character or his plan or his law in any way. So the content of the Bible is, as we read it uh, is, is the worst news, that is you and I are sinners. And the best news, God is willing to forgive. That is scripture, folks. That is the Bible. It is only when when uh, we uh, readily admit the worst uh, that we are, at, that we are open then to the best that God is. So here's some things that we deal with, okay, that we have to deal with. All of this means that you and I don't have to live in denial or avoidance. Parents, you can relate to this with your kids, and you were a kid once, so you can still relate to this. When someone does something wrong and your dad or your mom came to you and go, did you do? Why is it that we deny before we admit yes? You know, no, no, my brother did it. And so not only do we, do, do we deny that we did it, but we, we actually point fingers. 
okay? So this means that you and I don't have to live in denial or avoidance. We don't have to avoid when we've done wrong, when we've been in the wrong. We don't have to play self-excusing logic games with ourselves. We don't have to give ourselves uh, to a system of of penance and self-atonement, self-disciplining ourselves, like we've done something wrong, and so now we have to to, to do something in order to make it right again. Folks, when, when I lived in the Philippines, I saw the worst picture of this ever. Um, they would celebrate, uh, not, I don't even know if you want to call it this celebration, but it was during the, the uh, Passover week, um, and uh, uh, people would literally, I've seen people nailed to a cross, I've seen people take a cat of nine tails with barbs of metal and glass woven into it, whipping themselves and then tearing their backs as they walked down a road, ultimately to jump into the salt water of the ocean. I've seen people crawl on their hands and knees for miles thinking that somehow that they would somehow earn God's favor and love. Folks, that is, we don't have to give ourselves into a system of penance or self-atonement. It's already been paid for. Oh, come on, you can respond to that. Amen. It's already been done. We don't have to point the finger of blame at others. Well, it's their fault. If dad would have been better, then I would have turned out okay. If mom would have loved me more, then, then I would have been okay. If my brothers or my sister sisters had treated me better, then, then I wouldn't be in the mess that I'm in today. Folks, there is no place for blame whatsoever. We don't have to perform a way into God's favor. Again, it's been done. It's recorded. Rather, when you and I come to Him again and again, and I just want to say this, folks, we come to Him at the point of salvation, but then we come to Him again and again just as we are flawed, broken, unclean, and know that He will never, ever turn away from anyone who comes to Him and says, I have sinned. Won't you give me your grace? of forgiveness today. Will you forgive me? Isn't that what David prays in Psalm 51? He's saying, he is asking, uh, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. This is, this is a man who Jesus uh, touts as a man after God's own heart. And folks, this piece in Psalm 51, he is confessing probably a year later after committing adultery with Bathsheba, it would have been months that David lived in kind of a, a state of, of, of denial. And when confronted, he finally falls on his face and he says, God, you, you have to do for me what I cannot do. Create in me a clean heart. And folks, I just want to say that that is something that, I don't know about you, but I just want to testify, I need that every day. I need a clean heart. I need, a, I need a, a restart every day. I need God's grace every single day. You and I need God's grace every day. 
Folks, there is no sin too great. There is, there is no act too heinous. There is no person beyond hope. There is no requirement of age or gender or ethnicity or location or position. The offer of, of forgiveness is open and it is free. God is just asking one thing. And that's the bigger passage of, of 2 Timothy chapter 5, is that God has redeemed us and he has saved us so that you and I can be ambassadors. But folks, before you and I can be as ambassadors, there's one thing that you and I have to do. You and I have to admit our sin and seek what can only be found in him, and that is his forgiveness. Christ is your forgiveness. He is your forgiveness, not just at salvation, but every single moment of every single day. Folks, this is the gospel in one verse. I would challenge you to take it and rewrite it. Rewrite it so that you could explain it to someone. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. So what should our response be? What should our response be when this is what Christ has done for us? I just want to read a song. I, I, you know, one of the things for me when I, when I do my, my quiet times and I'm reading the word and I'm studying and I'm preparing, one of the things that happens for me, and this is why we, are, we have kind of turned the corner in what we're singing and trying to match what we sing with uh, what we're preaching. Because people of old and people of new have written songs, lyrics that go with music that speak to our hearts. Do you like music? I do. So there is a there's a hymn uh, that that I just want to uh, that Isaac Watts wrote. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Is the title. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such, for sinners such as I? Was it for sin? That I have done, he suffered on the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the great Redeemer died for man, the creature's sin? Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do. Folks, what is your response? What is my response every day, every moment of the day? The debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. Give it away. We are called to give our lives away. 
what is it that you owe today? Can I just ask that? You don't have to say this out loud. What is it that you owe? Seriously, in light of what we've just preached, what is it that you owe God? Can I just tell you? Yourself. You owe yourself. All of you. Every moment of every day. Not because God needs you, but because he wants you. Not because you're good enough, but because he has made you right because of Christ. There's only one response. Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. Let's stand as we close in prayer. And as you're standing, I just want to say, maybe you're here, know the Lord Jesus Christ, and I just want to invite you. He is inviting you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He is inviting you to receive the forgiveness that's been given to you. He is inviting you to become a part of his family. He is offering forgiveness no matter what you've done. It is yours to receive. But first you have to admit, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. So as we sing this song, uh, as we close, it reminds us once again of all that Christ has done for us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending Amazing The Lord has promised good to me His word my hope secures. He will 
Egyptian as long as life endures, my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a his mercy unending love amazing grace my chains are gone my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood, his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbid to shine, but God who Peace.